Warning, warning. Two idiots are duoing up in Fortnite. Please cover your ears and await further Fortnite. Hello and welcome back to Discovering SCP. We are back. Hey guys. Guys, little fact about us is we're actually cracked at Fortnite. <laughs> like, Tan, when we finally had some time, I was like, I begged, I begged and pleaded. I was like, Tan, please, let's hang out. Let's not just do videos. He's like, let's do something this Sunday. And jokingly suggested Fortnite as a, haha, let's, let's goof off in Fortnite. We are invested. At least I am invested in Fortnite. I don't want to speak on your behalf. I've, I've been having Tan, fun. <laughs> Tan and I played, what, eight games, and I think we won half of them, and it's like a high like no other. Getting Victory Royale, conquering 98 other people, I get it now. It's <laughs> it's like climbing a mountain, but without all the actual hard physical effort that goes into that. Anyway, um, how, I have a story to share, uh, a roleplay story. If you're Please interested. tell me, I'm interested. You've been hyping this up. Okay. You've been telling yeah. me that he's going to tell me his, his story. <laughs> So some people on the server know about this already, but uh, I'm playing at work a Hunter the Reckoning campaign. This is World so, of Darkness, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. So same as like Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf, Mage, all that shit. So I'm playing as Diego Chavez. He's like a handyman. Uh, and, and if you don't know, hunters are like right, about people... Helsing. They basically get in a situation with a monster and act on it, and they get blessed. So they have, like, minor powers, but they're not fucking close to as strong as the monsters. So they gotta use, like, yeah, cunning got... and traps and bullshit, and it's scary. And you you can easily die in Hunter. Uh, so one of our things, uh, and I'm with two other characters. Clark, whose last name escapes me, and he's, like, a professor that murdered his class because he was convinced they were supernatural. Uh, and now he lives in his van. And we have Max Street, who's like a 30 or 40 year old guy who's obsessed with the band uh, Sync. Or no, Backstreet Boys. I'm so sorry. Backstreet Boys. Oh, okay. uh, specifically the song I Want It That Way. Uh, and uh, together, so one of the. We, we were basically presented with three cases at the start of our story, like three leads on weird shit. And the one we're tackling now is Diego had been hired to install, like, these steel reinforced doors in this regular suburban home, which was odd enough as it was. Mm. And when I went to install them and when I went back, there were scratches at the door. Even in the steel, there were scratches. So we knew there was something that wasn't just, like, a raccoon or a wild dog. Um, so we try to talk to the owners. They don't want to give us much info. I, like, pretend I fucked up the door the first time and go back to fix it to try and get more info. And we decide to get a bear trap and lay it out at their back door because the most scratches are at the back door. So we go out there. Good plan, by the way. Here's where we fucked up is we stuck around. Ah. Uh, and one of these things stared at me. And, like, my character, I didn't do good on my save. Like, his mind was gripped. It felt like it took every ounce of my concentration to not be completely controlled by this thing. Uh, and I drop the gun, and I'm just in the stare-off with it, waiting for Max Street to save me. And Max Street's a fucking moron, by the way. Um, not the player. The player's amazing. I love him. But, like, the character's a moron. So <laughs> I, I nearly was done then and there before he realized he needed to come help me. Um, but after we escape, my character has this ravenous hunger. And no matter what he eats, oh, it, it doesn't yeah. go away. I'm just, like, viciously hungry. So uh, the next day... I. Uh, my friends... Sergeant me after a night on the town. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Clark and Max come up to my apartment, right? And I'm like, there's shopping bags everywhere, like torn food bags. I'm like, I look gaunt. I'm like, dude, I'm so hungry. And he's like, I think I've heard about this. And he let me try something. And he cuts off like the tip of a finger and puts it on a cutting board. 
and the DM says, like, immediately, as soon as that happens, I slam my fucking face down in the board so hard to eat it that I, like, smash up and bloody my own nose and gobble that shit up. And they're like, yeah, you're a Wendigo. And I was like, I don't want to be a Wendigo because monsters are bad. Um, and they're like, well, you're not fully turned yet. And we learned from some stories and research, mainly from Max's, like, grandmother's story because he has high exposure, mm. that if you eat the heart of the Wendigo that turned you, then uh, you can turn back to normal. The problem is killing monsters is already an undertaking in Hunter, right? And when we were getting away, when Max saved me, he learned there were three of them. So we go back uh, and we talk to the guy again. And we're very adamant. We're like, we know something's up. We don't know the full details, but we know there's these creatures out there. Let us help you. We're the only ones who know about this shit. We can do stuff. And we don't convince him to let us in. But he goes, I'm going to make things right. We're like, we can help you make it right. And he goes, I'm going to make things right. So he goes in and we hear two gunshots. Uh, so we go upstairs and we see he's killed his wife who was like half transformed and then himself. And we also see, Tan, that there's a bedroom, uh, a children's bedroom with three bunk beds. Which implies to us that the Wendigos were their kids. And if you know about Wendigos, they uh, are compelled to eat their family. Yeah. So that's why they were trying to get in the house and nowhere else. So we know, shit, we are in for trouble. The transformation's coming. It's so hard to resist eating my friends. To try, and, and Clark is like very virulently anti-monster. Like my guy's a judge. He's like, some monsters might be good or can be dealt with. Others are evil. He's like, no. If you turn it all, first time you act out, I'm going to fucking murder you. So just to cope with the hunger, I'm biting my own hand and suckling the blood and shit. And we have to make it 12 hours while we set up these traps. So we set up the series of traps. The DM elaborately lays out this... Uh, like room and we put them all down right 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 you're, you're getting your we, hem alone ready exactly and as we go about it max notices that one of the boards on the floor in the kitchen is loose so pry it open and we see there's uh it's mostly dark but we see the steps going up into the one room in the house we didn't bother to go in so we go in and it's just a normal study right there's like books and a desk and i'm like okay we we know this shit pull out the rugs sure enough we pull up a rug there's a trap door uh, we open the trap door, and it leads down this uh, long flight of old wooden stairs, and we get to a door. And when we open it, on the other side of the door, in red paint, it says, Time Out. And when we go in, there's piles of, like, feces and gore and piles of clothes. And most horrifying, there's a lot of adoption posters. <laughs> uh, implying that the oh, parents... No, no, were- no, no. So we get all this set up for our hunt. We've got this, like, sliding door that can slam shut and ideally slashes them as they come in. We've got bear trap on the table baited with cut-up parts of their parents. We've got, like, this Rambo-esque trap where they, like, hit a tripwire and it slams in with a blade. We've got, like, the stairs are covered with, like, live wires and a generator for, like, a shitty electric fence. Uh, and the first Wendigo comes in. We trap it. Uh, and we manage to get it with our traps. We kill it. Um... So I go in, we carve out its heart, and I eat it. It's not the right one. So my canines grow a little bit longer. Uh, I kind of keep my presence of mind for a moment, but as my friend rebates the traps uh, and I see it, uh, my DM hands me a note, and I roll a willpower save, and I fail, uh, and I feel like what I did was wrong, and I need to go to timeout. So my character, uh, against his will, starts to move. 
uh, and uh, Clark goes to stop him, and without like getting a chance, DM's puppeting my character, I bite his hand. So he goes, Diego's lost. Uh, so he smacks me with a gunstock club, and that cracks my shoulder. My shoulder regenerates, but like the humanity returns to my eyes, uh, and I'm back. And I go, okay, I'm clearly almost gone. I'm going to go out there. You guys stay here in the traps. I don't want to do something. But Clark is like, no, you're too far gone. That was your chance. So I make a split-second decision, and I think, okay, well, I told him if I ever turn to kill me. So if I try to dodge, he'll think I'm fully gone. So I let him hit me. He smacks me hard in the face, skull cracking. And I go, do what you have to do if you think it's right. He doesn't stop. He's still convinced I'm evil. He does it again. Crack. And I'm like heavily wounded. So I'm not only close to death, but all my dice, like severely lower rolls, everything. So I'm like fucked for the rest of this encounter. Uh, he hits me so hard. The skin peels back and like my cracked skull is visible. And finally, he sees, like, my te- my tears and me not moving, and he makes the save, and he's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And my character's like, no, no, no. You you were doing what you thought was right. I just wish you believed in guns, because he doesn't believe in guns. <laughs> so I'm being brutally beaten to death with a club. Um, but then we hear the other two come in. Uh, but they're not coming through the door. They're coming through the walls upstairs. So we run upstairs. I have to limp. I'm, like, half movement. All my dice are shitty. And one plops down in one room that they're fighting, and another is, like, crawling through the ceiling, plops down in the hallway while I'm trying to shoot it. And the whole time these Wendigo, uh, they try to make us think that they're, like, our family members, our loved ones, like, in yeah, voices yeah. and appearance. Uh, but we're spending willpower doing whatever we can to resist those effects, because this is do or die. Uh, one character goes down, nearly dies. He goes like into unconsciousness, but they manage to beat that one. The other one, I use my supernatural power, and somehow with my dice pool, I manage to succeed. So it's basically trapped in Swords of Revealing Light. So it can, we can move and exit the area freely, but it's trapped. And it's like railing against the thing. Ram, ram, ram. And then the DM says, finally, he gives up, and he's sobbing and crying. And we realize that these are just kids. Uh-huh. And this kid is surrounded by people that hates him uh, again. And he feels like he's in timeout. In an effort to comfort him, uh, I say what might have been the worst thing I could have said, and I go, uh, it's okay, this is the last time you'll have to be in timeout. Uh, We kill that one in the hallway. I eat its heart, and I return to normal. But it takes us, like, there's going to be a three-month time skip because we have to, like, recover. And it was so brutal and dark and gripping. I probably, in my retelling, did not do near the justice RDM delivered the cadence with and all the clues leading up to us discovering what was going on. It was fucking amazing, dude. It was so dark, but it was so good. I was gripped. Anyway, that's my story. I, was very I needed to share that. I know, right? <laughs> I, that's why I feel so spoiled. He's so good. I could never write something like that. Oh my god! <sighs> I've been looking to like get into like some D and D again, um, tabletop wise. So if anyone, anyone, anyone's got a game going on, feel free to shoot me an invite. <laughs> There's nothing I want to do more than DM another game for you. Uh, I think I'd maybe want a different crew than the JoJo crew. Um, not not anything wrong with them, but just for like diversity's sake, and right, I think right. it might fit the dynamic for what I like to DM. But um, I've got. I'm already running two games and in one uh, with yours. So like, I think I need to clear my schedule. But I would love to do that for Chandler. Otherwise, I think that'd be super fun. And and if you find one, I'd be happy to try and play with you. But like, I don't think I can physically run anymore. Just doing two a week is so fucking hard to plan. I don't know. Sometimes it's yeah. But uh, shall we do our our other planned thing? Uh, yes, so we decided, because we're going to be doing some recommendations this episode for Nightfall uh, content, we're going to go back to Nightfall a little bit, we're going to do the comment reading to begin with. Usually this closes out the episode. 
So without further ado, let's get into it. Yes, sir. Uh, first up, Skull Guy nineteen twenty two says, "Good episode, Pablo's. I like Thanks, the aesthetic man. as fuck." Tell any Pablo's when you form. Pablo's. I like the aesthetic as fuck this future fantastic age, but not everyone knows how to write that way. I'd love to see more of this written, but I guess you get what you get. So my one and only recommendation for reading this is this, The Shape of a Gun. I think it's just a tale, but it may be an 001 proposal. I can't remember. Darnell, you'd love it. It's right up your alley. Very chuny smile. Please, please, please give a look, Tan. It's by far my favorite story. So I did check this out. I did uh, quickly scan through the comments prior. Um, we will get to that, but that's part of a different canon, which and it's like part two, so we would want to like devote an episode to that, I feel. Yes. Uh, and then he closes out with, thanks, guys. Have a good week. Edit, finally got my name fixed, so I'm the same on here in Discord. Well done. Nice. Toasty773, who I don't think I've seen before. I so. like the profile picture. Yeah, it's like Thomas the Train with like a confused kid's face. Yeah. It says, read Rough Waterer. I assume that's Rough Waters. We've got that. I've got that in the list. Nice. Uh, MT2K21 says, there once was a crooked man, but with the help of surgery, he will no longer crooked. Oh, wait. This is America. Never mind. Well done. What does that even mean? It's because the, the health is bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But oh, the I've got an idea. World idea. peace! <laughs> DJ Crazy Times. Uh, Dino Tales 4943 says, Nightfall isn't a canon I'm familiar with, so I'm glad this is my first experience with it. Since we have suggest stuff related to Nightfall, mine would be 6734 The Celestant Nail, mainly because it's the only other SCP in the canon. It's in my brother. Yeah, I'm sorry, Darnell, but I think your internet is the problem. It's not. You can't even tell because uh, the people, both the people uh, say what they say. <laughs> He's just always defending you. He's oh oh what what's this next sentence? I All right, Tanner, like, I, I expect like my something. I expect my payment this weekend. Don't be late. You do. I demands of me. More muffins. I've been says, paying guys, you every second I allow you to draw breath. Oh, shut up, you worm. You can't even live in Fortnite. You couldn't even res me. Weak. You didn't earn the res. You, you couldn't kill the enemies either. <laughs> I, I simply had too much humanity left. They looked More at muffins. me with suffering eyes. <laughs> More muffins says, Guys, I'm so sorry for Vanessa. That was my first tale ever. I swear I've gotten better. You need to give me another chance. My tale series is like actually pretty okay in comparison, I promise. I believe you. I believe I you, but we can't read the entire... Well, we want to get like a, a wide range of Nightfall stuff, so unfortunately we'll not be going yeah. through the entire tale series this episode. And sadly, you will have to become the foundation for this country. Damn. Anomalous Writer says, Nightfall is quite a unique canon. A mix of an SCP Foundation absent world and the mystical Dark Ages vibe. Password, it is Tanhoney's internet. At Traitor. Smile. Traitor. He's not a traitor, he's a patriot. <laughs> a true patriot. He's, <laughs> like, patriot. he's like Revolver Russell. He's like, I'm <laughs> taking it back by for the patriots. Fact check the SCP patriots. Uh, insert clever name here, 6528, who I still don't know who they are on the server, says, Erm, this isn't our no-sleep stories. Awkward much? Uh, so that anyway. just happened. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Tanhoney, for responding to my comment. I'm an empath, so I could tell all of the emotions you were conveying were genuine. Life for Tanhoney. Thank you. Darnell, I don't know why you were so reluctant to read the rest of my comment. Your days are numbered, fool. It's true. They speak only the truth. Guare says, Nightfall Rex? That is easy. The Red Catalyst. I thought it was like Nightfall Rex like a dinosaur. I was so excited. <laughs> 
Yeah, he writes one T-Rex uh, SCP. <laughs> Which is a description of a T-Rex. <laughs> Comedy Man Kelp says, Bro, can you stop being consumed by the darkness within you for like five seconds and focus on the task at hand? Come on, dude. Three Yellow Arrows, aka Crowcat, says, I like Bloodborne because of the gameplay smile. Rex, honestly, the rest of Lord's series is great. I, wouldn't, I won't say much, but it has a lot of non-SCP stuff you'll like. The Red Catalyst by Mars Reigns, I think it's Marcel's Reigns now? Yeah, it's um, great Marcella drama. Reigns, yeah. Yes, uh, great drama character piece. Marceline Reigns, to burning, sorry, that's my mistake. And Condemned to Burning by Rora Scarlet is a nice short story. I, I am familiar with Rora Scarlet. I think they follow me on Twitter. I followed them back, finally. I was going through my list to see who the true patriots were. <laughs> I've seen them around. I think they do art and stuff. Uh, Cal and Stuff says, ah! And then Bone Podcast says, you know what isn't crooked? Celestial Exit, a masterpiece. I have searched some of these names on the Nightfall homepage. I've not found them, so I'm not sure if these are Nightfall pages or what what, what is this being recommended to me. Uh, the search might not be as good in a canon page. You might have to Google the titles and see. I've, I've got what I can get. We've got some All articles. Alright, alright. Well, if your recommendation doesn't get picked today, you know who to blame. If your recommendation doesn't get picked, you won't, you won't be alive long enough to be sad. Well, right, without further ado, right, let's begin with The Red Catalyst by Marceline Rains. Do it. Let me send you the link here. I've just sent it to you. Can you see it? Is it popping up on your Discord? Uh, yeah, there it is. It, it should open a wiki page if you click on that. Okay. This is by Marceline Reigns. Is it in like the right language and everything for you? Dan, honey. Yeah. I'm going to snap your jaws with hollow purple. No. <laughs> it would do much rather. It would fucking vaporize me. I'm about to hit you with my straw doll technique. Okay, it wouldn't even, you, you will not be able to use straw doll because you can't get the nail in my body because my limitless would infinitely divide the distance until it ever reaches me. You don't have limitless. You're not Gojo. I do. I have the six eyes and I have limitless. I, d- I don't know much about uh, JJK because I'm still reading through, but my friend loves to call him Goat Joe, and he loves to call the other guy Fraud King Sukuna. Oh, other way around <laughs> if you ask me, but... Whoa! Oh, I hope he never hears you say that opinion. He already thinks He's the king of curses, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Fraud King, more no. like. How far are you? Uh, I'm pretty near to current. Anime or Manga. Manga. Oh, I, I, you're talking to Mr. JJK right now. I'm gonna have to tell him and see what his opinions are. He's gonna—he's probably gonna give me an essay on why you're stupid. I'm gonna tell you why. Why my that. opinion? Uh, I think Sakuna has more race. Oh, hang on, I have to type this. He's, down. he's, he's cocky. Yeah. He's got, but he's cocky in like a brutal way. Where it's like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm the troll in my head. Like, so does this curse spirit? <laughs> <laughs> so this is curse spirit. Uh, all right, let's read this. Okay. Are you going to read it with your reader voice? Absolutely. Put on your real like. Hold on, I need to get secured out my voice. <laughs> G- give me your real fucked up like oi voice. Your London. A man and a vampire sat in a cathedral, basking in the glow of the blood moon. The blood moon rises. The souls of monsters do slain. I'm spit all over my fucking keyboard. <laughs> Isn't the Blood Moon a thing, or did I make that up? Is it just a common fantasy trope? It's a real thing. Yeah, what causes it? I think it's like the atmosphere, like filters the moonlight. A Blood Moon happens when Earth's moon is in a total lunar eclipse, so when the moon's over the sun. Oh, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about then. (laughs) 
They were brothers once, but decades of bloodlust and unquenched political ambition drove them apart. It had been years since they were in the same room together, but death has a curious way of mending even the most shattered bonds. They sat, they sat in pews on opposite sides of the main aisle and stirred at the motionless body, laying atop the altar with her arms folded over her chest, rose in hand. Oh, oh no, is this, a, is this a vampire diary situation where they were dating the same chick? <laughs> Maybe. It was David and Stefan. Oh my god, that's how I'm imagining this. The corpse was in pristine condition, despite succumbing to the sacred sleep plus moon cycle. The body was female, no more than 30 years old physically, with black hair draped over the sides of the altar. Her hair reflected the moonlight shining through the windows, giving it a dark red hue. Her skin was pale, veins present throughout her body, eyes sunken in and her teeth sharpened. The two pinpricks in the side of her neck were barely visible now. The vampire touched his own fangs gingerly and said, I should have done more. The politician scoffed, arms crossed and replied, I think you did more than enough. Can you tell who I'm doing impressions of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing uh, Steph- Stefan, or what, what the fuck his name? Yeah. Stefan is politician yeah. <laughs> vampires Damien. A light breeze entered through the crack in the door. It rushed past the politician and threatened to move his tie out of place. The politician adjusted in his pew, keeping his nose upturned. Her tie had, his tie hadn't moved an inch. Thank God. You bled her? The politician asked, spotting the faded wounds on the body's neck. The vampire shied deeper into his seat, stuffing his hands in his coat pockets. He shifted to the right, now leaning his head on the side of the pew. He shrugged. She couldn't afford treatment, the vampire said, spitting on the ground. You and your cronies saw to that. More healthcare stuff. The politician inhaled. The aristocracy controls the economy. My contemporaries and I simply manage it. You will not put this on me. Fah! The vampire's fists closed tighter in his pockets. His nails began to draw blood. Dodging responsibility as always. Will you ever grow up? The politician straightened his collar. For the first time since he entered the cathedral, he averted his gaze from the corpse on the altar and opted to stare at the ground. A scowl grew on his face as he ground his teeth together. I am the greatest member of the governing body Xerophila has seen in centuries. I have brought unprecedented levels of prosperity to the city in the last decade alone. I have saved the human race from Scarlet Death. Scarlet Rots? And what have you done in the meantime? Huh? The vampire shifted in his seat, turning his back to the politician. The politician spun in his pew, accusatory eyes burning holes into the vampire's back. Aye. The politician raised an eyebrow. Let me guess. You became a creature of the night. Terrorize the innocence of the city. Oh no, I've got it. You decided to sink your vile, blood-sphirsty, tainted teeth into our mother instead of getting off your arse and getting her the help she needed. Silence flooded the room as the politician's voice rose to a shout. You turned her into one of you, you foul creatures and even cared enough to protect her. Your failure of a son is what got her. The politician's your failure as a son. As a son is what got her. The politician's voice trailed off as his eyes drifted back to the uh, woman's body. He caught his voice in his throat. The mother looked serendipitous still, even in death. His mind flashed back to the last moon cycle, where his brother had come to him out of the shadow and requested his help with an important task. The politician remembered being led to her in that alleyway by the river, and the stench of freshly spilled blood filled his nostrils. He recalled the remains of the townsfolk that had cluttered the walls and ground, how their innards were missing chunks from them. He saw broken pitchforks, splintered torches, and shattered vials of holy water. 
He shuddered to think about the other vampires who descended from the fire escape as he and his brother approached their dying mother. The politician had thought he was being let into a trap. He swore at the vampires. The monsters who surely took his mother from him were looking to finish the rest of their lineage off. But these monsters were different than the rest. They were crippled, limbs missing, flesh seared, faces disfigured. Had they been caught off guard? And then he remembered the vampires rummaging through the viscera like raccoons, too occupied with feeding and tending to their wounds to bother either brother. They'd had on earth fill on the villagers afflicted with scarlet death, or at least that's what he was told. The mother was bleeding from her chest, a wooden stake driven through her. She spoke to him for the last time then, and together both sons moved her from the alleyway to the cathedral, where she lay until now. The politician started to cry. The vampire spoke. The aristocracy has the cure. You made sure of that, but they will not give it to the common folk. I thought I could save her. The scholar of death does not affect my kind as it does yours, but... A sniffle, an adjustment, a sigh. Does your hatred run so deeply that you would forsake your own family? The politician shook his head. You are not my family. The vampire jerked his head towards the body. And her? Don't bring mother into this. The vampire shrugged. He stood and pivoted on his feet, stopping only when he faced the politician. A flash of anger shot across the vampire's amber eyes, then it was replaced by something else. Sadness? Grief? The vampire spoke quietly. She's gone because of the Scarlet Death. This is on you, brother. Speak ill of me all you wish. Remount me as your kin for the decisions I've made, but do not treat her the same as you treat me. She didn't ask to be afflicted by this disease. She didn't ask to be made a vampire, either. The vampire winced. At least I did something to help. The two brothers held each other's stir for an eternity. The politician's hand drifted slowly to his waist, where a concealed pistol loaded with silver bl bullets blessed by a priest lay. The vampire's eyes darted downward inside his brother's hip. That same expression of anguish made its home on his face. His shoulders slumped. The vampire looked to his mother, then to his brother, and then back to his mother. He sighed and extended his hand. Come, he said, stepping out of his pew and into the aisle. The politician flinched. I'll not hold your hand. The vampire furrowed his eyebrows. Then walk beside me as brothers, for our mother. The politician considered the offer. He had a clear shot at the vampire, and certainly enough extra bullets to put down any more that might be lurking just outside the door. He mulled the thought over in his mind as he stirred into the vampire's amber eyes. Another memory drifted into his mind. He remembered all those years ago when they were young, long before the Scarlet Death reared its head and established its iron-tight grip on Zeriophila. They were children then, playing in the river near this very cathedral after the sermon had concluded on Sundays. They skipped stones across the water and laughed at each other. An ephemeral warmth crept its way into the politician's heart. He extended his hand to the vampires and took it. Together they walked down the aisle, up the stairs, and to the body. The men stood together in silence for the first time in years as something other than enemies. Do you remember when we were young? The politician began, and mother came home from the market with an armful of groceries and quaint wooden train set for us to share. The vampire nodded. I remember my train set well. I remember seeing the look on your face when she told her it was for the both of us. You were devastated. You hadn't any toys for yourself at the time, not any new ones, that is. So what was I to do but let you have it all for yourself? What's wrong, dog? Sorry, my dog's groaning. What kind of brother would that have made me? You just let me have that old thing? The politician met the vampire's eyes and nodded. Aye. It seemed so important to you at the time, and who was I to take something like that away from you? 
I already had more than enough toys in my collection. I don't remember it like that, the vampire said, eyebrows furrowing. I didn't expect you to, you're practically a baby. The politician shrugged. Tears collected in his eyes and soon after he started crying in silence. The vampire playfully jabbed him and said, well look who's the baby now. Two men chuckled, a mixture of laughter and sniffles. The politician smiled. When the moonlight faded from the cathedral, the doors creaked open. The siblings turned their attention to the gnarly, gangly old man that had entered the building. Good evening, gentlemen, chirped Mr. Philia, smooth-tongued as ever. The politician as the vampire looked at one another. Mr. Philia followed death wherever it went. The time to let go of their mother was finally upon them. Mr. Philia withdrew a tape measure from his inner jacket pocket and began taking measurements. The two men stepped down from the altar and walked to the entrance, while Mr. Philia's horse snorted impatiently. The vampire turned to face a sibling, but the politician kept his eyes forward and blinking. What's wrong, dog? Sorry. Thank you. The vampire <laughs> first, offering a warm smile. We should change our name to discovering what's wrong with Rocky. For coming, I mean. given moment. The politician scoffed as you were frown returning. He wiped the tears from his face and said, I didn't come here for you. That was good. I liked it. Give me a second. That's one nug. So my dog's like <laughs> in a bizarre position here and he just groaned. I don't know where he's stuck or he's just sad. <laughs> But yeah, what do you think of the story? I liked it. Who's Mr. I don't really get the importance of Mr. Fillier. Why I think he's like an like undertaker. It. Well, he's not high. He's a link to another story that I assume he's in. Yeah. I liked it. I don't... I couldn't really pinpoint, unlike most stories, what exactly I liked about it. But I was so quiet because I'm going to be honest. And I swear to God, I never do this in articles. I try to stick with you, but I was reading ahead. Damn. <laughs> so I was like invested, but I don't... I can't tell you why. I just like wanted to know where it went. I'm glad to hear uh, it. I think the dialogue was a big draw for me because I really like good dialogue, um, and they just seem to have such a rapport between the two characters. Yeah, I don't know. What did what would you point out about it for why it was? Well, it was big. It was a very much character piece. Um, uh, like you said, the, the, the drama is the dialogue. It, it is basically a uh, conversation between the two of them. But uh, what's fucked up? What? Is how I have to log into wiki.fucking again to upvote this. I'm so tired of wiki. Dude. I'm sorry. Why can't it just stay logged in? It's not that hard of a feature to add. <laughs> Mine stays logged in. I don't know what's going on with yours. I don't fucking know. Anyway, it's been uploaded. I'm glad to hear it. Um, what's next on the docket? So next one we have is SCP-6734. This is The Celestine Nail by BitOdd, in it. So, judging from the name, they should know a lot about the setting. They should be uh, very good at it. Oh, sh shit, I wanted to show you something. I forgot. Tell me. I'm so sorry. What? I know this is in the middle of our podcast, but real quick. <laughs> Just show me. Just tell me. I, I took a screenshot forever ago, and I forgot to save it and show it to you from Baldur's Gate. Um, the actual body of the text isn't that important, but look at the character that showed up. Captain Murrow. <laughs> Perhaps he's older than even we know. <laughs> <laughs> mm. it, that freaked me the fuck out. I did a spit take. <laughs> what if I did a D and D campaign and Captain Morrow the same character showed up? 
<laughs> he's just a mortal for he's all He's multiverse. Or maybe it would be an adventure time. Like, maybe the D&D fantasies after the world's been fucked, you know? I was thinking about, like, multiversal traveler. Oh, yeah, he's a planeswalker? Yeah. Like, MTG? He's like, I play blue deck. He's like, what is a strange ability? This is my stand. Imagine being the only character in a fantasy world with a stand, and your stand is just, I don't get tired. That would be pretty good, like, no matter where you are. It's just infinite energy. I know, but it's just like, you're the one guy with a stand, and you don't have, like, a stand stand. It's just an ability, kind of. I guess it's technically a bound stand, I assume. Yeah, it's just in his body. Yeah. Like, oh, man. But the thing, he could do, anyway. like, the thing, like, think in Devil May Cry, like, Virgil's Judgment Slash or whatever. The reason that yeah. doesn't go on forever is because his arm gets tired, I assume. Yeah, but Captain Morrow's not as strong as Virgil. But he could just do, like, as strong as it's, like, again and again without tiring. I guess if Captain Morrow, like, was guts-level physique, like, all he did was work out and train, his power would be incredible in combat. But since he's just a guy, all it really means is he has more time to live his life. And, it, and he lives forever. <laughs> Yeah. So I guess he's just a knowledge accumulator. He does, uh, he does heal injuries as well. Level? If he got if he got uh, uh, read by Persuvius, what's his Persuvius's uh, brain would explode? <laughs> oh my god, it's too fancy. Yeah. All right, we're on six, seven, three, four. What'd you say it was titled? Uh, this is the Celestine Nail. I see it's Class Argus. Do I need to know that, or is that some Nightfall? I think shit? that's Nightfall shit. Okay. Uh. Do you need me to read a little bit? Or yeah, yeah. Stuff? You can take this one, I'll take the next one. Alright, alright. Not a problem at all, my friend. Sacre casa procedente. Procedente. SCP-6734 is to remain within the royal palace in Desmond, the capital of the kingdom of Xerophila. Any attempts to remove it from the palace without the expressed permission of a member of the Council 13 will result in immediate expulsion from the Fundamentum, and a call will be put off for the offender's capture, whether dead or alive. It's interesting to me when, like, something within a canon takes place on the main list SCP. Yeah. Because then, to, I know there's no canon, but, like, it feels I, like... I feel like we're getting a peek into another SCP list for another universe, so it presumably there's another, like, 7,000 that we don't see of this universe's archive. Nice, nice, nice. Description. 6734 is a rapier currently within the possession of the Xerophilin royal family. Uh, the SCP's blade is composed of a material known as radiant steel. Oh. Footnote. Archivist's note. Radi oh, sorry, go ahead. I was thinking I'll do the footnotes for you. Archivist's okay. notes. Radiant steel is discernible from regular steel due to its surface reflecting all colors of visible light when it is exposed to lights. This trait is common to all objects made with material and is not considered to be part of the anomaly. So shouldn't the blade always be black? Um, it reflects all light. Maybe. Or no, it, refle it reflects all light, so it's probably like white or silver. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. It's radiant. <clears throat> SCP-6734 is primary anomalous ability is its ability to completely absorb the soul of anyone slain by the blade. It is unknown what happens to the souls of the slain, but the bodies left behind have not been observed to reanimate and fall to the rage of Yvith, leading to the current hypothesis that the SCP stores souls within itself to fuel its other capabilities. While it contains one or more souls, the SCP surface is incapable of becoming dirty. The SCP, provided it contains one or more souls, when is it expending these souls? I don't know. <laughs> 
provided it contains one or more souls, allow the wielder to regenerate from injuries. In testing, this ability is shown to be capable of closing open wounds, regenerating lost limbs, returning sight and hearing to those blinded or deafened by external forces and curing disease. Remember uh, Aiko's character Gears? I kind of gave her a ring with some bullshit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Shadow Blade, it's kind of bringing back memories. Any person attempting to wield uh, the SCP who does not belong to the royal family... Did we read the author of this, by the way? Oh, yeah, bit odd, did it? All right. Any person attempting to wield the SCP who does not belong to the royal family of Xerophila will find that the SCP's anomalous abilities will have their potency greatly reduced, but also that the object is slowly absorbing their soul. Currently, only those with the blood of the Xerophon dynasty are able to wield the SCP without suffering these effects. Currently, it lacks an official wielder. Personnel of rank 3 or higher should refer to the attached interview on their provided copies of this document. So I'm curious, does wielding like require actually using it in combat or holding it for an extended period? Or like, does just touching it fuck you up? Maybe touching it, I'm not sure. Like, for extended period? Yeah, because like, like, I assume they move it. Hmm. Yeah. Currently, the SCP lacks an official wielder. Oh, sorry. Um, the following is a table of occasions the SCP has been allowed to be used following its classification in addition to the Fundamentum's archives. I hate this format, not because it's bad in an article, but these charts never read well on podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's Wielder, Occasion, Council Notes. So, King Jacob von Zerifen the Eleventh. His Majesty was granted use of the object during the Eve of Blood so that he could fight alongside the Royal Army in their battle against the horde of risen corpses besieging Desmond, internally and outwardly from their graves. While his presence proved instrumental in driving back the hordes at the southern gates, he ultimately fell in battle, impaling himself with the object to fall with the rage of Giveth himself. Uh, impaling himself. But I thought the whole point was it blocked you from the rage of Giveth. Not sure, it's weird. In the hours following his death, his daughter Irene and her husband George were pronounced the queen and king of Holy Xerophila. Their daughter Linda would receive the title of Princess of Greater Desmond in her mother's, mother's place. The passing of His Majesty Jacob the Eleventh was a tragedy, simply put. One of many whose lives were lost. Can we have, like, I like mysterious council like, voices? I like how this has, like, fucking, uh... What's the word I'm looking for? No, no, um... History? Propaganda. Oh, yeah. Like, like foundation, a lot of it has, like, foundation propaganda, but this is, like, royal family propaganda. Like, oh, what a tragedy. Like, this doesn't need to be in their notes, but they're probably sucking up to the king and queen, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, no... His sacrifice is not to be forgotten as long as Xerophila stands. Uh, signed from the 8th. Uh, oh, his, his great-grandfather, I would assume. No, this is the Council of 13, so that's like 058, I assume. Oh, I get you. Duchess Harriet von Zerifen, second cousin to Queen Irene. The Duchess of Alpana requested access to the order in order to... Access to the object, sorry, in order to quell an uprising in former Ilkanian territories in the fallout from the Eve of Blood. Access was granted, and the uprising was crushed shortly after. The poor fools. Only through unity can we make it through these difficult times. The third. Duke Saul Kepler, brother to King George, requested use of the object to be displayed in his estate during a dinner party. Denied! Buffoon. Oh, they spelled buffoon wrong. Buffoon! Buffoon. Uh, tenth. Unless that's, like, French or some shit. A figure of importance to the royal family. Is it marked in green because of, like, the fae? I think so, yeah. And it's unnamed, yeah. Requested access to the object for use in an attempt to defeat an unnamed entity that had been threatening a village in southern Xerophila, denied due to the likelihood of objects, destruction, or loss. We will not speak of what happened regarding this entry. Pacini will pay for the damages wrought in due time. So I assume that was, like, a fae entity and it took his name. 
when it killed him. Oh no, Bassini! It took his name, it took his own name, and it took the villager's name, I guess. The first... But he said the name Bassini, which is concerning. Well, maybe Bassini took so the did... name. Oh, yeah, no. Maybe Bassini was the master. Or that might the be master. the entity, and he, f- he fucked... Ooh, maybe. The following note has been attached to all copies of the SCP documents, as per the request of Overseer th- uh, 3 of the Council Novus 13. I thought it was just called the Council 13 earlier. Now it's Novus 13. That's a fancy name. Maybe that was the other article I got confused. To all staff operating within Holy Site 01, I thank you for taking the time to read this note. I'm aware of the sentiments surrounding the containment of the SCP. I'll, I always find it weird when there's an SCP in Nightfall, because isn't Nightfall's whole point is there is no foundation? Well, it's just a whole different setting, I guess. I, I suppose. And how it is being left to the royal family. Why, I hear you ask, should the family who called for our creation be the ones handling an aspect of the goals we ourselves swore to achieve? These questions will be answered with time, as many things are. Sadly, accelerating the temporal flow is something outside of my capability, so you must bear with me. Well, there's snarky in our apology. <laughs> Even if the time it takes is beyond that which you, the one reading this, will live to see. <laughs> we will not live to see this, the girl reading this. Remember, we die in the dark so we may see the light once more. Uh, from 3. The following is a transcript of a meeting between 1 and 3 of the Council Novus 13, as recorded by 3. 1 enters 3's personal quarters under Holy Side 01. 3 stands from a kneeling position and turns to face 1. Do you want to be 1 or 3? Tanny? Tanhony? Sorry, it's that that out for just a second. Uh, Do you want to be 1 or 3, buddy? Um, I will be 3. Hello, 3. One, what brings you to my sanctum on this fine eve? I wanted to talk to you about SCP-6734. You too seek to criticize my decision to keep it within the royal family's possession? Nay, my friend, not at all. I simply wish to understand your insistence on the matter. You were quite agitated regarding the matter during our last meeting. V is still, oh, sorry, five is still somewhat rattled. V has come to through around. One, my boy, you know how I am regarding my faith. Surely you would have done much the same if she had said such things about your god. Not much use in posing such a question to a non-believer, but I digress. Explain yourself. I suppose you weren't fooled by the excuse of preserving the family's history for such items. No. Very well, then. I take it you are aware of the Princess of Greater Xerophila? Yes, Three. I am very much aware of our future Queen's existence. Continue. Allow me to paint you a picture. One. Imagine for me a warrior, life lightly armoured, a symbol to those around her through virtue of birth, wielding a weapon that can truly kill her enemies and prevent her own fall so long as she ensures the fall of others. Three. We have the tools in our possession. Her father is the greatest general to grace our kingdom in generations. She is young, easily controlled, and moved towards our vision. We have a weapon that can eliminate many of the dangers of combat so long as she is efficient. She is of royal birth. What better to rally the troops than to have one of the monarchy fight alongside them? Three, do you hear yourself? Loud and clear one. You're asking me to allow you to manipulate a child into becoming a soldier. Have you not considered she may want something else in life? What if she wishes to be 
a, a poet or a diplomat. Anything rather than a warrior queen. I have my ways of avoiding the possibilities. And what if her parents object? Who is George to object to me helping his daughter follow in his footsteps? Bloody hell, how much of this have you planned out? How much would you consider too much? You've already crossed that line. <laughs> oh, well. Three, I'm going to repeat myself. You see absolutely no problem in manipulating a child into becoming some kind of killing this machine. This is like one of those memes where it's like, you seriously want to <laughs> turn them into a killing machine? It's like, yes. You really thought the gene tyrants were right in what they did because they were strong? Yeah, then the shadow face, yes. <laughs> well, there are obviously moral quandaries in this matter. And how, dare I ask, are you looking to resolve them? Simple. Morals and the perfection of a goal such as this are incompatible. As such, I shall eschew the former. Eschew. You sick bastard. Not now, one. Temper. The other council members will hear of this. <laughs> you think the half of them will care? Ten would kill for someone to lead a charge against Bassini. Uh, VII. Seven. seven is obsessed with seeing six, seven, three, four in oh. action someday. All right, Tan. If uh, so, an I is a one, a V is a five, X is a ten. If the ones are before the letter, you subtract from the big. From okay, the I got you. I got you. If they're after, you add. Two, four, and nine would all love something or someone that would handle the defense of the nation. While we set our sights inward to repair the mess we've made. Morals are for newcomers and idiots in this line of work, one. You should know that. This isn't the last you'll hear about this from me. I await when this comes back to bite me, oh dear one. Now leave. You're interrupting my prayers. May Mechain tear that steel abhorrence you call your flesh from your body and strike you to hell for what your mind is conjured. Machina non cura tominem, one. Goodbye. Gemini world. <laughs> and then he fucking punches <laughs> him. He became so much more <laughs> villainous as I voiced him. <laughs> uh, that was fun. I'll give that enough. Boop. Alright. Anything else or... Normally I would say we'd comment read, but I guess we already did that. So we have to fill the time with actual articles. Yeah, I have one more. Uh, comment read Redux. No, we can't just read them again. <laughs> this... <laughs> this is uh, Rough Waters by Toasty. Toasty! Oh, you remember that meme? Toasty! No. No, I don't. I don't like good You epic. seriously don't remember that meme one. Then you won't know how to avoid the fate I've wrought for you. Guess who gets to read this one? Oh, wait a minute! Toasty's from the comments! Yeah. You forgot? Wait, did he did he recommend his own article? I don't think so. Hold on. He made that enough. <laughs> if he did, that's kind of based. Uh, let's see. Hold on. He did... <laughs> it is! Read Rough Waters! Based! Chad, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's Chad. No, I'm not upset. That's fucking I'm awesome. furious, actually. No, I'm kidding. Let's get into it. Right. Why don't you read, Tan? If I don't like it, though, you're in serious fucking trouble, Toasty. I'll be watching your career with great interest, Toasty. I hope you can... Don't trust him, because that's Palpatine who says that in Star Wars. And he grew to be the Emperor of the Galaxy. Star Wars is not the only piece of media. Gemini Wars... You just quoted Star Wars. 
That's not <laughs> a quote in Aetheril's uh, face. We'll watch Shakira with great interest. That's a quip from Star Wars. That's literally just a thing that Lord that people say to like people no. of lower rank. No, no, you the, the, you know it from Star Wars. You know it from even from the meme. Everyone says it. It's been echoed throughout pop culture forever. This guy. <laughs> He's in denial. I'm sure it came from Star Wars. I'm not denying that, but it's not the only movie that uses that line. <laughs> it's in fucking everything. It's like the goddamn Wilhelm He's screen. coping. Listen to him. He's coping. Oh, okay. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck off. Let's get into it. Well, password. Uh, who's right? Me or him? <laughs> it's like, it's a Splatoon at this point where it's like the different factions. <laughs> the password is just like, choose your team. <laughs> Uh, hold on. I thought you like so. All right, you ready? I thought you like warts off because you're so upset with me. Then. No, 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 no. Sorry, continue. I got pinged for something. I was just. I just saying the password for this week is like Splatoon. It's just like pick your team. Who's right? Um, I know. I agree that it probably is famous from Star Wars and was originally from Star Wars. But like many things uh, that have been copied from Star Wars, I've heard it in so many other pieces of media that I wouldn't say I was like intentionally quoting but you Star did. Wars. This is how we intend you it's did. Fucking from everything, <laughs> I've heard that like at least a half dozen times. That's not that many. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into well, it. <laughs> also, people quote Star Wars jokes, and I don't even realize they're Star Wars jokes till later because they're so omnipresent on the internet. Okay. A biting, right. bone-chilling sea breeze rolled into Cape Silacast, a small fishing town on the coast of Zerophila. Crimson moonlight glistened upon the waves, illuminating the decaying town. The familiar smell of rot and decay hung stagnant and pervasive in the air. Mouldy wood creaks and groaned as the freezing wind blew through the streets, discarded trash and tools strewn about behind the rotten walls. A bitter, salty taste could be felt in the mouths of the poor souls who stalked through the town. A wet, cacophonous, I fucked that word, cacophonous fudding against the decaying plywood echoed through the town. Can I popcorn see? Uh, I've got someone sleeping right above me. Oh, you've got to be kidding I'm sorry, it's not a big one. I just read a whole ass up. I'm sorry. And you want to do that to me? I have to. You want to fuck me up? I have to. Damn. I must. Alright, give me a minute though. Okay. I have to catch my breath. Um, one second, one second. Where do you find games in your library on Steam? Never mind, I found it. No, that's. Okay, whatever, who cares? Um, <clears throat> a wet, cacophonous thudding against the decaying plywood echoed through the town as its residents shambled and shuffled towards the town square. The mayor and the town's holy captain... Oh, I think it should be... You need to flip the I and the A for captain. Unless it's supposed to be Cap-Chin. I'm not sure, Mm. but edit that if you're listening. Was waiting to begin his sermon. He surveyed the congregation as the villagers settled into the square. Stepping forward on his platform, the crimson moon high above him. He cleared his throat, lifted his scale-covered arms and began to preach. The mayor spoke in a deep gurgle. I can't do a deep gurgle. I'll try. Well, good citizens of Silocast. Is that a gurgle? I guess it's a little bit of a gurgle. I'm good news. Our great project is nearing completion. 
Soon we will set out to raise our lord and spread his glorious kingdom onto the land. A cacophony of cheers erupted from the crowd, inhuman noises that bubbled like the sounds of drowning. The cheers were so deafening that they could be heard for a great many furlongs. The mayor continued, Tomorrow we set sail to reach new heights. The great deliverance shall be the vessel of our lord. Even more horrifying, haunting shrieks erupted from the crowd. Some citizens even began to chant a prayer to their foul god, Ochyog of Migop, Migpog. Migpog. How do I say that? I have no clue. Ochyog of Migpog, Lord of the Deep. The crimson moon hung high in the night sky as the rapturous celebration continued. Weeks later, the final preparations for the holy journey upon the Deliverance had completed. The ship itself was the greatest thing to ever float upon the high seas, 500 meters in length and more than 100 meters high. The ship was held together by magics given to the citizens of Silacast through communion with Uhuag at Utmipag, the queer energy surging through its mighty frame. Uh, wrong, it's... You don't want the apostrophe there. I'm surprised this has so many grammar mistakes. Um, not to insult you or anything, but just, like, it had a lot of upvotes, so I thought it had been, like, checked through for that. Uh, the queer energy surging through its mighty frame glowed a bright blue, powerful enough to challenge even the crimson moon above. It was their masterpiece, a divine grace that would deliver the believers unto new heights and dispense their vengeance upon the dry land. The wood was sturdy and would not fail the foul crew in their time of need. Carved into the woodwork were rooms and tentacle designs, the magics that held together the ship. Night invincible, no stone or metal would pierce the sacred hull. Writhing and contorting, the curious designs seemed to have a mind of their own. The bow of the vessel was adorned with a living partial visage of Uhog Ot Mugapog, in honor of the god. The decoration was the only part of the fell god that it would reveal to its followers, a writhing, thrashing mass of tentacles surrounding a large octopus-like eye. The eye of the decorations glowed with the same uncanny energy as the holy vessel. It oh. too moved, scanning the depths for the kingdom of the deep. The masts were so gargantuan it looked as if they might pierce the dark heavens above, and each sail was so vast that it could completely blanket houses. There were also massive oars that would need no inhuman crew, as each was a living tentacle. Created by Uhog, Ult Megapog, and given life by his magics, so if the wind ever failed the deliverance, then the oars would spring to life and pull the great ship upon the sea. The main deck of the ship was engulfed by tremendous harpoons, each larger and sturdier than even the mightiest oaks. It was these that would raise the great Uhog or Mugapog, that would pe they would pierce his godly skin and hoist him upon the deliverance. The inhuman, fish-like citizens of Cape Seelacast, with their scale-covered skin, flippered feet, and gilled throats, progressed to the coast of the Cape. With the final preparations completed, they would board the... What, so what is the Deliverance? The name of the ship? Hmm. 
I'm, I'm confused who's attacking who. I got a little lost in the pros reading. I zoned out for a second. Uh, Can you give me T- TLDR? Uh, in a second. Yeah, but who are they boarding? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> they're aboard the Deliverance and begin... Sorry? So yeah, the, I think it's basically like a submarine. I think they're going down to find the god. Okay. Well, with the prepara- final preparations completed, they aboard the Deliverance and begin their holy pilgrimage to their lord's kingdom. Oh, they're just going from one ship to another, I see. Many things had to be loaded upon the ship. Food, weapons made to combat the horrors of the sea, and a great many other things were brought on board by the eager... Well, they're just going onto the ship. There's no, like, two different ships, I don't think. Okay. I'm just confused. They're, just, they're boarding they a ship. There's no... I don't know what you're confused about. I, I got it. I thought they were already on a ship when they spoke before. That's why I was confused. So I was like, why are they boarding a ship now? Uh, so I thought they were attacking someone. I was like, but I didn't remember anyone else. I just got lost a little bit, like, reading it. Lost in the sauce. Uh, nearly half, like, I wasn't paying it. Yeah, I wasn't really taking Have you ever done that where you read and you're not taking mm, it? Yeah, I got it, yeah. Yeah. So, my bad, Toasty. Nearly half of the town manned the accursed vessel. Those who were left ashore to wait were disappointed, but they were quickly assured that they, too, would see the divine rising of their lord. Hours and hours passed as crew and provisions loaded upon the ship. After preparations were completed, the ship set sail for the Kingdom of the Deep, the land of the great Uchlog Ultmikapog. The mayor, who was now captain of the Deliverance, guided his crew through the harsh waters. After weeks of travel, they finally reached their destination and plunged the great harpoons into the water. Uchlog Ultmikapog was raised onto the boat, ready to spread his kingdom onto the land. So it's like a giant fish. Yeah. What horror had been wrought! Cape Seelagast now stood as a blasted heap of stone, battered by raging waves. The few survivors lay on the ground, minds destroyed by the true visage of their lord. Even the mighty deliverance was ruined, now no more than a few stray planks. The raising of Uchwagl to Migapolga only brought madness and destruction, not the greater heights the worshippers had hoped for. An incomprehensible mass of tentacles and anguished faces of deep-sea creatures rampaged across the land. Insanity was brought upon those who were unfortunate enough to see the horror of the deep, and only destruction was left in its wake. This horrible kingdom did spread across the land. With great caverns, deep-sea flora, and terrible magma geysers sprouting everywhere that was unfortunate to feel his tremendous power, water spewed from the caverns, and monstrosities of the deep were carried by the waves. Terrible monstrous anglerfish and colossal octopi swam upon the land. Great floods carried these loathsome beasts, leaving even more significant destruction in their wake. Whole towns were swept away by the floods. The survivors feasted upon by beasts, and the Lord Uhog Old Migapog crashed through all signs of humanity as if he were a great typhoon. Truly unstoppable, the rampage continued for months without end. An extensive path was left through the ravaged lands. Eventually, though, Uchogold Migapol came to another sea on the opposite coast of Xerophila and decided to sink back down to the depths. There he would gladly slumber once more and prepare to corrupt yet another foolish fishing town. I'll be honest, this tale, I did get lost partway through, so I don't want to judge it too harshly, but I don't feel like there was really a story. Mm. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like things happened. Like there was a plot, but there wasn't a. Story yeah, there was nothing to like latch onto on a like personal level. But that that's maybe that's not intended. But um, right. Yeah, it, I enjoyed the I world building of it. But yeah, um, it was fun. yeah. I will neither upvote nor downvote. I'll give this one a six out of ten. If I didn't rate the others, I think I would give this sword one an eight out of ten, and then I'd give that first one we read probably eleven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there wasn't just anything for me to latch onto, and I think that's why I wasn't really taking in the information after a point. 
part of that I will take responsibility for. Um, but I don't. I you know I think it was solid. Other than a few grammar mistakes, the prose was solid. You know, it was entertaining in its own way. I had fun reading it. Um, good work, and I'd love to see more from you in the future, Toasty. I enjoyed it as well. Um, so I guess that's it, huh? Are we finished up? I think so. I think that's all I've got. He's so sleepy, my little tan honey. Would you guys be kind to him if he came into your into your room? Would you day? heal me? Would you use spells? You'd heal him. You'd heal him, right? You'd use your strongest spell. Password. How would you? <laughs> would you heal me? You already did a pass. This is the second. This is the true password. Ooh. That first one was a decoy. All right. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.